Welcome to the Mom Manual. Motherhood doesn't come with instructions, but it should. We are on a mission to highlight ordinary moms doing extraordinary things to build the ultimate mom manual. Every week, I have the distinct honor of speaking with women about the lessons they've learned and the inspiration that got them to where they are today. Join us for a conversation that will spark creativity, provide actionable tips, and celebrate the ordinary and extraordinary moments of motherhood. The Mom Manual starts now. Hi everyone, it's Tara Williams with The Mom Manual. Today, I am so excited to introduce Dr. Mary Wilds. She is a holistic pediatrician specializing in behavioral health. She's a mom of eight, an author, a podcaster, a TEDx speaker. Mary, you have done everything. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Tara. Absolutely. Mary, can you tell everyone a little bit about your background and really how do you manage eight kids while being a pediatrician and running an online school? Well, definitely I have done things kind of in my own way and at my own pace. So I was really blessed that my husband was willing to stay home once I started having kids in medical school and residency. And that allowed me to just kind of walk out the door and do what I needed to do and know that my kids were being really well taken care of. Although sometimes I'd get home and and they'd tell me about these amazing adventures and I'd see this pile of muddy clothes on the porch and I'd be like, oh, I missed it, you know. But after I finished my training in which I focused on pediatrics and then later on mind-body medicine, I was really able to sculpt my schedule to work around my family. So that was wonderful. But, you know, today I'd love to talk about building resilience as parents and building resilience in our kids because that is such an important topic right now. There was a recent article in JAMA, the Journal of American Medical Association, that talked about how compared to pre-pandemic times, anxiety and depression in the pediatric population has doubled. And I think that that is really a wake-up call. Um, But on the other hand, it it's not something that is super surprising, right? but definitely something we have to address. So I'd love to talk today about how to address the stress that we face as parents and also knowing how to help our kids that are experiencing this stress. Yeah, stress and burnout, I think are two words that we've been hearing a lot since 2020. For me personally, as a small business owner, I mean, I, before the podcast told Mary, I was up till two in the morning and I have been, um, since Sunday night, which is three nights now, because there's just so, it just always feels like there's never enough hours in the day between that and four kids. So I am here for all of the techniques to prevent stress and burnout. Mary, what is your first takeaway for our listeners? The first takeaway is about finding our flow as a parent. And I really think this idea of flow is the antithesis or the opposite of a state of burnout and survival parenting. There was a Hungarian psychologist named Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, and he did research on flow, the idea of being in flow. And I think we all can relate to the state of flow of really being involved and having positive energy towards what we're doing 
And sometimes parenting just doesn't feel that way. You know, sometimes we're kind of in survival mode, going from thing to thing, and we just don't even have time to take a breath. So one thing I'd like to invite your audience to have is an ebook that I wrote that's called Parenting with Flow. And it really talks about ways to find this flow state and be able to find focus and delight again in parenting. And so there'll be a link in the show notes for that. Thank you. But um, maybe I'll back up for a second and share a time when I was totally in survival mode. And I think that all parents find themselves in this place at times. But there was a time when, you know, I had I was a mom to a big family and I was trying to take care of my mom who had had a stroke. And there was this moment where I just felt so strung out and was basically doing what you might call extreme caregiving. You know, if there's like ultra marathons and there yeah. are extreme sports, I was doing extreme caregiving because I had all these kids. I was taking care of my mom who had a stroke and you know, on my days off, quote unquote, I was working at the hospital as a pediatrician. And so whether those were my days on or my days off, I don't know. But I remember a specific day when I was helping to bathe and dress my mom and she had some cognitive impairment after her stroke and and couldn't really speak very much. And but she was reaching out and trying to scratch me and pinch me while I took care of her. Mm. And it was so, it was like one of these really low moments where I just had to step out and just like, you know. Cry. Go cry, yeah, go lay on my bed and cry. Just to have my own mother confused to the point of trying to hurt me as I cared for her. Right. Um, that was such a, a difficult moment, but as parents, we find ourselves in these situations where people, we're, we're trying to help people and they don't know better and sometimes they lash out, you know, whether it's a toddler who is tantruming or a teenager who is really struggling and lashing out, um, it can be really, really difficult. So a couple aspects or recommendations from that ebook. One is the idea of just giving ourselves permission to lighten our load and renew. In the situation of taking care of my mom, I, I realized that I needed to get some help and I needed to have people come in and, and help me with some of the caregiving. And I chose to bring people in in ways that where the tasks didn't need to be me. Right. And I think that as parents, we can think about, you know, what role is really my most important role here. So often we get these assignments like, oh, we have to fulfill these these expectations of the teacher, the coach, piano teacher, and it's hard just to be the parent, to have permission just to be like, I'm here for you, I'm with you, I love you, and let's just enjoy each other and, and be present together. So sometimes we just have to shed those expectations and and get help in those ways. You just said so much good stuff. And I think because I am so deep in being a small business owner right now, and it truly is consuming all of my time. I almost think of my life in two lenses. I have my business Tara and my mom Tara, right? Yes. And so with the business stuff from the time I started it, I always heard over and over and over from every mentor. 
it was identify what you do really well and what mm-hmm. nobody else can do and then give everything else away. Yes. So for me, that was hiring a social media expert and, and somebody to fulfill things. And when you start a business, it, you think, okay, I have no money to hire anybody. But what I've realized is every hire I've made, they have paid for themselves and they've taken a part of the job that I wasn't doing well off my plate so I could thrive in what I do really well. Mm-hmm. And if we translate that, you know, I'm sure there's women listening that say, hey, I'm a stay-at-home mom and I don't have unlimited money. Yes, I would love to get all these things off. But I think if we think about it in the sense of volunteering for school, for example, mm-hmm. I have three kids in third grade, second grade, and first grade. And I get mm-hmm. emails constantly about volunteering. Mm-hmm. And it's really, if it's not, I heard someone else say, if it's not a hell yes, yeah. <laughs> my friend, then it's a no, right? Right. So for me, I thought, okay, um, I can't go and volunteer for two hours at the library when it's not even going to be my kids. It's going to be like, that's right. not valuable to me. Right. But on this Friday, my kids have a Halloween costume parade walk. I'm not sure what they're calling it, where mm-hmm. they walk around. And that is going to be super important to my mm-hmm. kids that I'm there waving at them. And right. it's super important to them that I help them design their costume and wear it. So that to me is an absolute yes. Like we're going to spend tonight doing the costumes and tomorrow morning, we're going to get up early and paint everyone's face. Mm-hmm. And mom and dad are going to be there waving to them for 10 minutes while each of them walk by. I can hit all three in one day. They're yes. all happy. And so I think it's really just finding for me, it's finding those absolute yes opportunities and then really saying no to everything else. Yes. You can say no, then you can free yourself up to do more of those yes activities. That's just something I feel like I really took from 2020 because I kept thinking when we return to normal, when we create a new normal, what will we leave behind that Mm -hmm. wasn't serving us? Right. And I, I'm actually very proud of myself all the times I say no, I have no problem saying no, 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 no. Good for you. And it reminds me of a a book that I love by Greg McEwen called Essentialism. And I love that book. And one metaphor that he uses is the idea of, you know, so often we think that we are the the things that we do and the goods we produce and but we are us it's like he makes the metaphor of if we were comparing ourselves to like an apple tree we're the we're the tree we're not the apples Mm. you know that we need to preserve our ability to continue and to continue having the energy to produce and do rather than just focus on the things you know that we have to really renew ourselves so it's sustainable and i think being able to just get to what's essential is so key in that and that really allows us to be present at the times when it's really important and it's not necessarily a new idea we've heard it before but we just need to be reminded yeah we need to be reminded of it and when i think about a flow state the first thing that comes to mind for me is being on vacation and (laughs) of course you know it's it's even kind of silly to say, well, of course you have time because you're not working, but when we're on vacation, my husband and I don't fight. My kids aren't fighting, go to bed early. We're well-rested and it's not realistic because again, you're not working, but when we go on vacation, we, we leave kind of everything behind. And I actually 
do that on the weekends as well. So it's, mm -hmm. I think most people are really surprised to hear that I do not work on the weekend at all, especially mm -hmm. having a small business, but I shut down my computer at five or six on Friday and I don't open it again until 7am on Monday. And it's for me, the, the weekends are being in that flow. And that's when for, you know, from Friday night to Monday morning, I am in total mom mode. Like my kids have mm -hmm. my entire attention. My husband has my entire attention. And because I work so much during the week, like that's really, really important to me to, to break down those two, um, those two parts. Yes. Um, Mary, can you tell us about gaining tools for this? Because it sounds good in theory, but you know, how, how does one gain tools to get into a state of flow? One important word to talk about here is the idea of resilience. When I think of flow, I think of something that moves and shifts and being resilient is the ability to bounce back in difficulty, but it's also um, being able to be adaptable and flexible. And as moms, we have to be so good at this. And another definition of resilience is being able to harness the tools that will benefit and serve our well-being. So all those three aspects really can keep us in a state of flow where we are sustainable. In my work as a pediatrician, I focus specifically on helping kids with anxiety and I also help kids with ADHD and there can be some overlap. So several of my clients either are anxious because of their ADHD or they have trouble focusing because of their anxiety. And so there, there can be an overlap area. But one thing I really focus on in terms of teaching emotional regulation is building tools. And I think so often when we think of stress, you know, we just kind of get paralyzed and we can't move forward. But we know that people who have anxiety, which is all of us some of the time. Everyone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's often that we are overestimating the risk or, you know, the threat and we're underestimating our resources. So part of it is just becoming aware and reminding ourselves of the resources that are really available to us. Like when I was feeling so overwhelmed with my mom and I just had to get to this really extreme moment to be like, wait a minute, there are people who can help me. I don't have to do it all myself. So part of it is just being aware of the resources, but then also there are specific tools and strategies that help with emotional regulation and emotional wellness. And I have an online program called Resilience School where I teach kids and families over 20 things in the areas of mind, body, and spirit that research has shown to decrease stress and help diminish anxiety. So often, you know, in our society, we when we think of stress and we think of anxiety, the only two things we think of are medication or therapy or both or nothing. You know, like we those are our options that we go to, but really there are so many more things. So I help families in terms of mind strategies, I help them learn cognitive behavioral therapy strategies, which some kids really do need to actually work with the therapist to um, continually practice seeing their, the ways that their thinking is distorted and how that's affecting their emotions. Um, but even just learning about the common thought distortions, which, 
you know, are things like black and white thinking and um, jumping to conclusions, things that we all do maybe a few times every day. <laughs> but if we actually can recognize that and step outside of ourselves and really discern the truth and the accuracy of our own thoughts, that's like one of the mind strategies. But then I also help kids really get in a focused meditative state. I'm trained in helping kids learn self-hypnosis. So that's truly a flow, like a trance-like oh. state. You know, that's maybe the epitome of flow where you're so focused, you're hyper-focused inwardly. Because we often get in a state like that when we're doing something that engages us so much. Like we're in the zone where, we're, you know, everything else is kind of blocked away. Yeah. So I teach kids how to harness the power of you know, their mind and imagery and things like that to really focus on the things that will help them feel resourced and, and, and strong. And I also teach about um, mindfulness, which is by definition, it's a non-judgmental awareness of the present moment. And how many times would that help us as a mom to just not make a judgment about the situation? Like, instead of being like, oh my goodness, this pile of laundry is like a mountain and why am I folding it? And you know, I should have done it before and, but that's all judgment. But if you just like, are like having this Zen moment folding laundry or getting your kids and husband to help fold laundry. And we're like, we're folding laundry. Like we're just in the moment, we're doing this thing. There are no judgments about it, but we're just doing it, you know? So those are mind strategies, but then there are so many more strategies, body strategies, like how to use yoga to change your emotional state aromatherapy, grounding in the five senses. There's so many tools. And then there are also spirit strategies. And I think so often we forget to bring in the spiritual component. And what I help guide families that I work with to do is really to connect with the things that bring them purpose, meaning, and connection. And so these are things relating to relationship and, and really connecting with the things that they love. You know, so often as moms and as kids, we just have this like to-do list and we're just going boom, boom, boom. I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. And even our kids, you know, they we wake them up in the morning. We say, it's time to eat breakfast. It's time to get dressed, go to school. And then through the day, they are following this regimen. Right. And then they come home and we're like, okay, it's snack time. Now it's homework time. Now it's go to this extracurricular activity time. Now it's dinner time. Now it's get ready for bedtime. Good night start again tomorrow, you know, and that is really not allowing us as families to connect with things that really bring us joy. Right. You just said so much good stuff, but on that specifically, I think about that. It's, it's like groundhog day almost where we do it's the same things every day. And the kids, I often feel like I'm rushing through my own life. And yeah. one thing I do that probably falls under the body category is I'll go for a walk or, I mean, I usually go for, I say a run, but it's like a very slow run, but that's <laughs> where kind of connecting this all back where I will get for 30 minutes into my flow and I'll be listening yeah. to a podcast or even just running. I live in a neighborhood. It's, it's kind of random and it backs up to this open area where there's cows Wow. And so I'm in this very suburban area. And then all of a sudden it's like, I'm in the wilderness almost. And there's these cows and there's these big, powerful creatures. And I just love running down and going to look at them because it brings me in just this moment of appreciation of like, look at 
all this world has to offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow, this is getting kind of deep. I, I guess I do get in the flow sometimes, but for me, that's just like one moment in of 30 minutes in the day that I can kind of disconnect from this to-do list of, and as I look around my desk, I have checklists and I have emails and I have texts after to respond to, and it just feels like list after list. But that's one thing I do, you know, for the mom that's listening and is like, okay, yes, I love all these strategies. What would you say is like one easy strategy for, and I'm really thinking of one of my children who, especially when she gets tired, just kind of loses it right? Where she all of a sudden starts fighting with her siblings and she's crying and someone's hurt. She always gets hurt. Someone's hurt her where really it's, they barely, you know, swiped her and she's injured. Um, And it's, it's always at like seven o'clock at night. This is witching hour and she falls apart and she's eight years old. So she's not like a little kid anymore. And it's been going on since she was a baby. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, for that type of child in that moment where they're just losing it, what is one thing that that a parent can do to kind of bring this back and get it under control? What's a tool they can use? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think about the the iceberg image, and so often our kids' behaviors are just that tip of the iceberg, and then there's so much underneath. And if we don't deal with the emotional aspect of their behaviors, then it's always just a band aid in the situation you're describing and in so many situations one of the first things i would do as a parent is just step back Mm -hmm. and just say okay what's behind this what is the need that hasn't been met or needs to be met and you know because we can try to reason with uh out of control child you know until the cows come home but you know once somebody's in that emotional you know, lower brain activation instead of, you know, having their full upper brain engaged and it it just does not go through. So I think stopping and trying to meet the underlying needs and waiting until the right moment to go through the situation again to review, okay, where could this have been different? And, um, but just trying to meet the underlying need and connect with empathy to the the situation so that's more of a parenting tool um and my next um tip is very related to this about um being in a state of compassion um because the two really important words for me in the work that i do are resilience and compassion Um, and they're very connected you know we know that empathy is good um but so often if we just have, you know, get in a state of empathy, that's literally being in feeling with somebody. So if you have a child who's like losing it, then suddenly you're really empathetic and then maybe you're losing it too, you know, cause maybe you get wrapped into it. Right. Whereas compassion is like feeling with, it's like being alongside the child right. and being able to kind of co-regulate. And so I think really meeting the underlying need and then connecting in an emotional, way, like kind of understanding the emotions behind it. One researcher, Kristen Neff, who does does so much work on compassion and self-compassion, she talks about three aspects of compassion and those being mindfulness. So just having some non-judgmental awareness of the situation you're in, common humanity, realizing that, okay, in like, a thousand roofs in my own community moms are 
experiencing the same thing right now. Right. Like this is not about me being a bad mom. This is not being not about my child being a brat. This is yeah. not about any of that. It's just like we all have these hard moments and how can I be with you to co-regulate and and so we can get through it together. And then the the third thing being self-kindness. We can help our kids learn self-kindness by being kind to ourselves as parents, not beating ourselves up, not being ultra critical of think the things that are going wrong. And I think that that can really help us get through these difficult, difficult moments. In terms of really fast strategies for kids that are really over the top, I love the work that deal with zones of regulation because depending on kind of the zone we're in, if we're in a really um, out of control state, then a lot of tools don't work. <laughs> so there are some kind of like emergency, get it under control kind of tools. And some of those can be, you know, if your child is open to them, things that increase the, the vagal tone or the parasympathetic nervous system to override the sympathetic nervous system, which is like the stress, anger, you fight know, or flight, yeah. uh, fight or flight. Um, and those can be things like taking some breaths together. And with younger kids, maybe blowing on a pinwheel, blowing bubbles, doing some lower belly breathing that can physiologically change their state. And even putting, you know, cold water to the face, you know, that's not something you want to do to your child, but helping them kind of emotionally reset by using a little ice cube against their cheek or um, helping them just splash their face with cold water so they can just kind of emotionally reset because that, again, activates the parasympathetic nervous system. And so we can really suddenly calm down, you know, yeah. again, not something that you would do to somebody, but if you can help give your kids these tools ahead of time in the in the calm moments, in their green zone, you know, um, then then they're being then they're available to them in the Red. more intense moments. Yeah, no, I love that. You know, the deep breaths was definitely something. My kids are my oldest three are really close in age. So my third was born when my when my first was only two and a half, and then I had a two and a half year old, a seventeen month old, and a newborn. So we, there were lots of tantrums and lots of meltdowns. And this deep breath was something I always did with them where it was a toddler melting down in the store or somebody screaming in the car. Like I would pull over, I would get face to face with them. And I would say, we're going to take three deep breaths together. And I noticed for me when they're yelling and screaming or fighting, if I'm yelling, it escalates the situation versus mm -hmm. if I spoke calm and softly, where they almost couldn't even hear what I was saying. They would pause mm -hmm. to listen. And then these, the deep breaths was really good. Now they're six, seven, six, eight, and nine. And we don't, I, I haven't really done this as much, but I love, I love these ideas. I know this would definitely land with my three-year-old for sure, but I feel like the deep breaths really, so thank you for bringing this up. That's something that I am going to to bring back into our households because it was very effective when we used to do that. And Tara, I love what you mentioned about just being able to go outside and go on a walk. And I think the outdoors is such a gift to us as parents too, as a place to help our kids just downregulate their nervous system as well. You know, in Asian countries, doctors actually prescribe 
forest bathing, which basically is like just going in and taking in nature. And it has really been shown to truly bring a state of increased calm and self-regulation when you can just get out in some green space or in my case, since I live in Southern Utah, maybe I'd say rocky red space, but still, (laughs) you know, it's getting out in nature and just seeing the clouds, breathing the fresh air. It is so powerful. I love that because I think about though we had some rain here. I live in California, rarely rains, but we've had some rain. And I always notice those days when we're inside, the kids are Mm -hmm. bouncing off the walls. They're going crazy. And it's really just, they're missing being outdoors. But I love this idea of, you know, when they come home from school, it's like you said, it is homework, it is sports, it's activities, it's piano. It's just one thing to the next. And I am definitely going to start integrating that where it's like, Hey, we need to get outside even for 10 minutes and just walk down the street. And then walk. Yes. I work from home. I've always worked from home, but I've now noticed a lot of people work from home. Um, and one of my neighbors, mm-hmm. I always see him because my, my office looks right out the front window. I always see him walking by and he's on phone calls. And he's kind of walking up and down our street. And I, and I think to myself, I need to be in front of my computer. But if I didn't, I love that strategy because he is getting outdoors. He is breathing in the fresh air. And definitely he's, he's down-regulating himself. So yes. I, love, I love that idea of getting outside. And I, I came from Minnesota before I lived in Southern Utah. And you know sometimes it would be like 30 below zero. Mm-hmm. And with my younger kids, I still would try to bundle them up, even though it took like 20 minutes to get yeah. everyone ready to go outside, even just for like five minutes. Right. And it made such a difference. And with little boys, I feel like they can go outside and throw rocks, they can break sticks, they can stomp on leaves, they can you know do all these things that are so powerful at um, kind of getting them moving and regulating the nervous system, let alone, you know, it's just educational, exploratory. It's just good all around. And I know we're coming up on time, but one thing I wanted to just touch on again, when we're talking about connecting with passion and we're talking about self-kindness, being the model that we want our kids to become, this hits home with me so much because I think probably like most women and moms, I hold everything inside and then I explode. Mm -hmm. So I am calm and I am listening and I feel like absorbing everybody's everything. And then I get to a point where I'm like, get out of my office, leave me alone. You know, that type. And I was, I was doing the dishes last night and it's almost like my kids can tell when I need to finish something. And they're like, mom, look at this, mom, you want to play cards? Mom, do you want to do that? (laughs) And I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys, please five minutes. Right. And I just, I was at the sink and I was doing the dishes really fast. My husband is very particular on having a clean sink. It's like one of his things. So I know that has to be done. And all my kids were just kind of going crazy. And I just felt so stressed out because we have this shipping delay and I, I knew I had these customer service tickets and I just, this one customer, I was thinking I, I need to close the loop and get back to her before I forget. And, and I remember just thinking like, my kids are seeing their mom. Like, I'm so proud of the business I've built. Yes. What my kids see is a really frazzled and stressed out mom. Mm-hmm. And it was like, they're not, they're not going to like my business. They're not going <laughs> to want to be a business owner. And I know it's funny, but like, not really. Right. Because if you, it's something I'm so proud of. And I feel like, oh, I'm setting this example for, you know, all four of my kids, but particularly my girls, like showing them they can do anything. They can be anything. Right. But 
am I showing them somebody they want to be? Or am I showing them you can do it, but at the expense of being stressed out, at the expense of being frazzled, at yelling at your kids? Mm -hmm. Is that what they're going to see and then say, I want to be that person? So it was just this, and it's not all the time, but I just had this reflective moment last night and and I just thought, man, I need, I need these strategies you're talking about. I need to take a deep breath. I need to get into a flow state. And I think for me, I need to finish earlier because I don't finish working until about seven or eight. And it's like, Mm -hmm. then I'm rushing to get the kids to bed. Mm -hmm. But if I could finish earlier and just really take that decompression hour, um, this is, this is like a therapy for me. So I apologize to everybody who's listening. I'm getting a lot out of this. I I hope you are too. This is, this is what makes it real. And, and also in the flow book that I wrote, it, it talks about honoring our authentic preferences too, because I think a lot of the the tension we feel is like, you know, working on something when we feel like being with our kids or like being with our kids when we feel like working on something or, and of course, sometimes we don't have control, but so often we do. We can actually just authentically do what feels like the thing that's in alignment right then. And so... I, love I think that. that's, I think it's wonderful that you're, you're recognizing that. And I think it's, you're like speaking for all of us Yeah. because we all feel that. <laughs> stressed, stressed out and burned out. Yes. Those are, I think the words of 2020 and unfortunately bleeding into 2021, Mary, I could talk to you for another hour, but I would love for everyone to be able to find you where, um, where can they locate you if they want to get more of these tips or enroll in any of your school programs? So the best place to go is drmarywild.com. That's D-R-M-A-R-Y-W-I-L-D-E.com. And there'll be a link in the show notes as well to the Parenting with Flow book. And that's also available on my main website. So... Thank you so much for having me, Tara. Yeah. Well, you're not getting off yet. We have our fire round. (laughs) All right. So what are you currently binging on TV? So one way that I get to the essentials is I don't have a TV. (laughs) I love that. That, yes, we should be binging less. What is your most recent book that you've read? Two books that I'm in the process of reading are deep kindness and one that i just keep reading and referencing is it's called standing at the edge and it's this beautiful book about kind of exactly what what we're talking about of being at you know these extreme moments and having to muster up compassion and how to do that so it's more written for you know healthcare providers and um like frontline workers, but I think that parents are some of the most important frontline workers. We, we are the survivalist workers. That's for sure. Standing at the edge for anybody who wants to look that up. Um, how about your productivity app? So I am kind of old fashioned in that way. I have a, a paper planner and my pen. <laughs> I, I'm still working with pen and paper. I love that. I'm a pen and paper girl too. Um, okay, what is your go-to de-stressor? Oh, I love I love walking and um, just getting outside like we talked about. And in terms of a de-stressor for the whole family, one thing that I find helps us all to like instantly reconnect 
is reading together. So we, we love to kind of have a family book that we're reading. It's usually like a chapter book that, that we're reading, but even just getting out a children's book, especially for the little ones, it's like everything can be going so terribly and suddenly, you know, we're all reading a book together and it brings us physically together. It connects us, gives us a shared experience. And I love that. I love that too. We, you know, as a family, we read scriptures together, but we've never actually read a book together. Well, I read one-on-one. No, I I guess that's not true. I read to my kids, um, like little kids books, but now that they're older, we've never read like a chapter book together. So I love that idea. Dr. Mary Wild, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was incredible. I took a bunch of notes. I know everybody listening got a lot out of this um, and we'll have all the links in the show notes. Thank you for being here today. Thanks, Tara.